Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. Uh, this is episode three. Glad you could join us. There was no recording last week, but this week we're back with another episode. And with me, I have Matt Lyons from Cover the Corner, uh, another podcast and website uh, covering the Guardians because, you know, you can never have too many when you love baseball and you love your team. So, um, hope you guys enjoy this listen from Matt. It was definitely. Um, a good listen, and I was glad to have him on and hoping that we can get him on uh, another episode down the line. But uh, really good stuff. We talk about the uh, latest series that just wrapped up in Detroit, uh, kind of the, the bullpen and the pitching issues that we're seeing so far this season is not great, obviously. And uh, we touch on um, Josh Bell and how he's been heating up a little bit and a little bit of prospect talk as well with um, recent transactions going on and who we think will will stay, will go, who may get called back up. Um, and hopefully maybe we see some Brian Rocchio down the line. Uh, we we don't know. We don't have a glass ball, but uh, him and, and Tanner Bybee as well. But um, hope you guys give Matt a good listen and, and follow him uh, once this interview is over. I'll Put the links to his profile and website in the uh, in the description, and he'll give it to you as well at the end of this episode. But hope you guys enjoy. It seems like the offense, just as in general, is struggling so far this season. You know, after that hot start that it got off to and got everybody excited about what this offense will look like, but over the past couple of weeks has really kind of been a bummer, and it's kind of trickled down to the pitching as well, where we were playing in these tight games and aren't winning the way that we're used to winning. Yeah, and I feel like I've always kind of expected the offense to to be the way they are, just kind of like hot and cold. But it's the pitching that's been the surprising part to me, not seeing the starters. Obviously, a couple are injured, and um, Tristan McKenzie being out, I think, is a bigger deal than we might have even thought when it when it first happened. It's clearly showed um, Aaron Savali being out, even like the bullpen guys who are not doing um, – I mean, that was coming into the season. That was supposed to be the invincible part of this team is you get to the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, they've got guys coming out all over the place. But so far it's been like Eli Morgan, the dominant, and then – it's kind of just whatever. Some guys, some kind of are someday. Some days, Emmanuel Classe today got the save technically, but also looked bad. And a couple guys gave up home runs. So it's there's no one part of the team that looks especially dominant right now, um, which is, I guess, part of just an early season thing. Everybody has that. But uh, it's rough to watch when you're a Guardians fan. Yeah. So, like, are you just kind of contributing that to just kind of early season jitters or just trying to get everybody gelling at one time? Or is there some type of bigger problem that you're seeing? Because uh, to your point with Eli Morgan and even Xavier Curry, who I like, uh, his a couple of appearances so far out of the bullpen this year. Um, but really, other than those two, it really just seems kind of like a crapshoot. Um, like you were saying with the Class A, he didn't look um, completely dominant, like we're used to seeing, but he still ended up getting the save. So what's your thoughts on the, uh, on the bullpen situation right now? Yeah, I think with, with everything, it's kind of a common theme that it's just so early. I mean, I've watched so many baseball scenes now. It's hard to get super worked up about, um, any of them, especially this year. Cause there's so many changes. There's, there's a limited throwovers. I think especially the, uh, the pitch clock is messing with people a little bit like James Karinchek. We've already seen get a couple penalties and I don't, I don't think Class A has actually had been dinged for it yet, but he's a guy who 
like we knew coming into the year that he takes like a good 20 seconds between two pitches. And now we just can't do that. And I think with him, especially um, it's not super worrying just because I always feel like he's a guy who needed extra time to kind of like recharge and then throw as hard as he does. Cause I, cause I think when you're a guy who who's essentially pushing the limits of what a human can do, like Emmanuel Classe throwing a tiny white ball, hundred miles an hour, you need every little, every little thing you can get. If he doesn't have that little edge, I think we're seeing it now where it just kind of gets shaved off, but I think he'll adjust to it. Even if he doesn't, I think he can survive as like a, a 99 mile per hour guy instead of 101, 102 kind of thing. But um, yeah, like you said, there are some, it, it's not all terrible parts in the bullpen either. Like Curry, he's already pitched the most innings, which I didn't expect coming in, but he's been a good garbage man for some disappointing um, starts from the rotation. Eli Morgan, like I said, has looked great. Um, even Trevor Stefan, I think he's had a couple bad outings, but in general, he's looked really solid. And it's just, it's like you said, it's an early season thing. Nobody is quite comfortable yet, I don't think. Uh, Memorial Day is always the the kind of line you use for really panicking about stuff, and that's basically where I am right now. It's just kind of, if they win the next three games, I don't think we'll even remember this series. <laughs> we'll completely forget about it. Um, I mean, we'll go out, Class A, I'll have nine strikeouts over three games, something crazy, and then never talk about the Tigers again. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's just all too early to, to panic too much about anything. Yeah, I agree, especially against these these losing teams that we should beat up on. It's so early in the season to kind of put so much weight on what the performance of the team looks like so far. And yet you have fans that do that. And I mean, understandably so. But, you know, I typically try not to think too much on it and people live and die on the result. But, um, you know, that typically that isn't me. You know what I mean? So um, but going back to Class A, do you think that um, the pitch clock is kind of affecting him a little bit as well? Um, his velocity, uh, you know, has been down a bit. And like you said, it's not one-on-one and that certainly sounds a lot sexier than 98 and 99, but it's gotten as low as 96, I believe today. And he topped out around 99. Um, so, you know, relating him and Karen check, do you think the, uh, pitch clock is kind of affecting how, um, their performances are so far? Yeah. I think Karen check's kind of hard to tell because he's always just been this guy who's, you never really know what you're going to get, he's going to come out and strike everybody out or he'll give up a home run every other game. He's that's, that's why I've always kind of liked him as I never want him to be the fireman guy who comes in in a high leverage situation because he can either just come in and, and give you a great outing or he won't. And you'll just never really know ahead of time. But um, with class A, yeah, I think, I think it's the pitch clock. It's, it's not even the fact his velocity is down. It's like you said that the difference that he goes as low as he does to 96. I feel like there's times where he might be mentally rushing himself and he doesn't get, fully ready and is not launching and, and full effort all that as much as he probably usually should. But also at the same time, I'm not even that I'm not super worried about because I feel like the difference between 101 and 99 for him, if he can get back to like sitting at 98, 99 is like the difference between being an elite all world MVP Cy Young closer and also just a very good closer. And if he settles in at very good, like a very good to great closer, I think that's probably fine. And and I also think the Guardians, because we we've seen they're they're so prepared for for all these changes this year, the way they built their whole roster and their lineup. I would be shocked if they didn't see at least a little bit of struggling from Class A coming with how long he took between pitches. And and if they saw that coming, they would have signed him to that deal, especially if they thought he would need to constantly pitch over a hundred miles per hour to be worth the contract they gave him. I don't think they would have given it to him. So. I don't know. I feel like it's not a big worry. I, I'm more worried about like the location of his slider today was a little weird, but um, yeah, in general, I, I'm not worried about him overall this year or especially in the future if when, when he starts to settle down and get used to the pitch clock. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good observation. I was watching earlier today, and a lot of his pitches were kind of down the middle. And if it wasn't for him throwing so hard, you know, maybe the result could have been a, uh, a little bit different than what it was today. So um, I, I agree. Maybe his location is more of a concern than the velocity. I mean, he still throws nearly 100 and sometimes over 100 and certainly not a lot of guys can say that they can do that so uh when you throw as hard as he does you can uh it kind of makes up for the mistakes that you do uh location wise so i agree um but i do want to kind of shift to peyton battenfield um a name that maybe fans uh may not know a bunch about or expecting to hear his name so early but uh early returns turns so far are pretty positive for a pitching staff that isn't performing as well as we hoped as a collective. Uh, he did the loss against uh, Detroit, but he pitched a quality start and his ERA is one six nine. So kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And what do you see out of him uh, as it relates to a pitching staff that's kind of up and down and, and kind of beaten up too? Yeah, well, I, I like him a lot. I think he's right now is exactly what the Guardians needed with how injured everybody else is. If he came up and he was a total disaster, it's, I mean, that that's, paints an extra grim picture for for april for cleveland but since he's came out and, and been so not even like dominant just the fact that he's been able to hold some innings and not allow a ton of runs but um he kind of reminds me of like when zach plezak in his rookie season there's no one pitch that is especially amazing i mean battenfield's cutter has been pretty nice but there's no one pitch that makes him like a dominant starter but he just kind of knows how to use everything the, obviously the downside with Plezak is everybody kind of figured him out at one point and then he was he just started punching things and things went downhill but assuming Patton Pattonfield doesn't reach that point I'm I, I like where he is now I think he's also a guy that could stick around the back of the rotation just because he doesn't have like that one quality pitch that would make him a great reliever I think in the end there's going to be some of these guys that come through like even Hunter Gaddis we just saw go down um, Connor Pilkington who I think he already got option back down or he might, he was just the extra man for the double header, but he's a guy who I think would play up better in the bullpen. But I think Battenfield's a guy we're going to see um, just kind of stick around and be in the back of the rotation kind of guy for, for quite a while, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Cause he has, like I said, that cutter is maybe not a dominant pitch, but it's, it's a pitch you can use um, pretty effectively. He's kind of been held as like a CM two, two times through the order kind of guy. I think if he can work in his curveball and change up a little more than maybe he could be, more than that, but as it is, like if you've got a guy who every five days you know for sure is going to give you four or five innings and not blow it, then that's that's the thing every rotation needs. And if Battenfield is that at his peak, that's not a bad um, return for what they trade Jordan Luplo for him. So um, I'm happy with him so far, and I think he in the future it's he's got a pretty solid spot on the Guardians somewhere. Yeah, do you uh, kind of continue to see him as that back of rotation option? Um, should you know, the I guess the rotation be fully healthy and uh Zach Plesak, who's had his struggles for a couple of years now, if he continues to struggle, would you be comfortable kind of putting him in his spot in the rotation? Yeah, oh yeah, I think that's kind of his ceiling or kind of traje- trajectory he's on now is either like him or Class A. I'd, I'd imagine one of those two, especially when the big prospect pitchers start coming up, is we're going to have to just, there's there's only five spots and somebody's going to have to go and mm-hmm. When everybody's healthy, you've got Plezak, Savali, and, and Battenfield to back, I think. Um, I mean, if this is like last year for Plezak or Savali, one of those two I think is going to take their spot at the back end. Um, I, I, they're, they're all kind of similar pitchers, which is kind of hard to pull them apart, but eventually they're going to have to play, pay Plezak more money when he hits the arbitration, so I think maybe at that point it could be where where Battenfield kind of takes over for him, but I, I think it'd be fine on the back end somewhere. Yeah, um, 
I didn't plan on asking you this question, but what do you, what do you kind of see as the the future for Plesak? I mean, somebody who kind of had a lot of promise coming up, his changeup is a plus changeup, but I don't think he uses it enough. Um, but like I said earlier, he, he has a struggle. So what do you kind of think uh, the Guardians do with him? Should he continue to struggle? Do you think they just put him in the bullpen or do you see a fix for him where he can kind of get back to that that positive side where he was a couple years ago? Yeah, I'm not. it's hard to tell with him really because there isn't, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to build off of. He's just kind of a guy who's who's gotten by the first couple of years. He looked really promising, and then all just went downhill so quickly. I I, I think last year we we heard they were trying to trade him. I'd imagine if because we saw his last start was was decent. If he gets back to that and puts together a couple pretty good starts, I wouldn't be surprised if either at this deadline or next year they trade him because next year he's already eligible and they'll start paying him more than like the league minimum. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think. He could be a back end guy, but it, we just never know with him. Like these, it's been so long since he's been effective repeatedly. And the one bonus from him is he's always starts like twenty four, twenty five games. But if he's doing that with almost a five ERA, then, then maybe it's time to give somebody else a chance. It, it's all going to come again. Like when it, what's it's when these big guys start coming back up. Like uh, Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee is probably the closest, and Daniel Espino when he's healthy, they're going to have to make some decisions. But until then, for for better or worse, they have Plezak. They can just kind of toss back there and, and see who fits with him and Savali and um and Battenfield. Gotcha. So you you see a future, but you can also kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Also, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. their their ideal scenario would be like he pitches really well uh, for a few starts down the stretch, and they can trade him for something. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying at the deadline last year and there was just nobody who wanted him because he just looked so bad and. Um, they just they just want to get something for him while they still can. I just don't know if they will if he he struggles again in the first half. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's kind of like they they're hoping he does well, not so they can get rid of him. That's you know they want him to do well because of the success of the team, but also if he does do well, you know that can increase <laughs> his trade value. Him, and, yeah. and yeah, exactly, you get rid of him, you get somebody <laughs> for him that you know hopefully sticks around in in, in place of him. Um, I, I don't want to keep talking negative about the players that we have, but I do want to touch on Gabriel Arias as well. Uh, somebody who just like Plesak, you know, made his his name coming up through the system and uh, excitement when he finally got called up. But somebody who uh, doesn't get consistent at bats and he's hitting 172 right now and has struck out 14 times and 29 at bats. So uh, what do you think the team should kind of do with Arias? Because they could send him down to maybe get those consistent at bats and build his confidence back up and, and then bring him back up. But um, also playing a new position as well. So what do you kind of see out of Arias? Yeah, so I mean, this is obviously I'm not a a beat writer. I'm not. I don't know anything what the team is actually doing. I've always just had always kind of just had this theory that they don't like bringing up uh, the guys they really like to to get lim- limited playing time. Like they wouldn't bring up. I know they just did it with Rokio, where he came up and was just on the bench for a game, but that was, I think, kind of a different scenario. But like with Gabriel Arias, they brought him up and just kind of sat him on the bench. And it's nothing against Arias. Like I was never on what was that? The Arius hive on Twitter where, um, <laughs> I mean, he's one of those guys I would love to be proven wrong, but, um, I've just never been that high on him. I've always kind of thought that like Tyler Freeman was ahead of him in, in skill wise and kind of the pecking order at one point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he could maybe figure it out, but he, he just doesn't make enough contact for me. I don't think to, to really succeed on, especially a guardians team that needs you. Either, you either got to hit like 25 home runs or hit every ball that comes at you. I don't think he falls in either one of those categories usually, but, um, yeah, I don't, I, I think it's also kind of telling that like Freeman came up and also got a start over Arias at one point. Um, 
and I, I know Arya's got it today, but I wonder how much Freeman would have played if if he was healthy and didn't have an arm injury. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think obviously Arius is going to be around for a while. They're not going to do anything with him. Because another, another thing is, only 23 years old, which is, is crazy. He just turned 23 um, earlier this year, which is a lot of guys they have. He's just kind of filling a role that in the past I feel like it would have been like a Michael Martinez or one of these guys who we kind of maligned for playing so much. But now it can be, um, if it is Arius, that's kind of a really good. It's kind of what I've always thought he could be a really good player at is being the bench guy who comes off and plays a little bit of everywhere and, and gets still a decent amount of at-bats. I just don't know if so far he doesn't seem comfortable doing that, but I think they kind of want to make him comfortable doing that. If if there is a way to do that as opposed to just sending him back on the AAA and letting him figure it out there, but they want to just let him be a super utility guy I think would be a really good spot for Arias to be in. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, especially with the defensive versatility that we hope he can bring uh, playing first base as well as the infield. Um, but a lot of, you know, that infield doesn't really take any days off. So it's kind of hard for him to get those spot starts, um, you know, unless somebody's taking a day off at DH or something. So um, unless you're playing, you know, nearly every day, it's kind of hard to get those reps in and feel comfortable at the big league level, uh, especially at the plate. Um, and that that could definitely be a reason to why. He's struggling so far, but, you know, I guess we we won't know until he comes out of it, hopefully. Um, but I do want to kind of uh, change terms and, and talk some positive. Uh, Josh Bell is finally, you know, looking like he's starting to come around over the past seven games. He's hitting 346 and uh, slugging 654. Now, at the time of his signing, I, I'm a Josh Bell apologist because I've been a fan of his since <laughs> he was in Pittsburgh. And, you know, he's taken a lot of slack over the past couple of weeks because of the slow start that he's gotten off to. And understandably so. But like I was saying earlier, it seems like Cleveland sports fans, they just they live and die with every result. And, you know, if you're doing bad, then you're a bad person. And um, I don't believe that out of Bell. So I'm, I'm glad that he's kind of turning the corner right now. Um, were you a fan of the the Josh Bell signing and and what do you see out of him uh, the past couple of weeks? Oh yeah. I was, I was a huge fan of that signing. Like, like you, I've always, as much as I don't like the pirates, I liked watching him on the pirates <laughs> and, and how good he was there. Uh, yeah. I, I love this. Sign. I think he is like the perfect mix. They want. He's, he's basically Carlos Santana with maybe a little bit more power, which I think is amazing with how much he walks. Which and, we've and seen, I like, was a huge Carlos Santana. Oh, I yeah, still him by the way. And he's in Pittsburgh now. Yeah. So. And, and he was a guy like everybody was always on him all the time for how, um, like he he just had a perception of being worse than he was. I think it's because he drew so many walks as opposed to getting quote unquote clutch hits, even though he got plenty of them. But he was always a guy that, especially at covering the corner, um, we always appreciated him. I think more than than most fans, especially on Twitter, did who would see one bad at bat and, and yell at him. But with, with Josh Bell, it's kind of been the same thing so far because he's walked quite a bit. Or he has a fourteen percent walk rate, which would be a career high if, if that goes down a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think he's also a guy that just kind of wants to be comfortable and, and that that's why he said it's part of the reason he signed with Cleveland because he had family around here so I think once once both the weather warms up and he just gets comfortable in Cleveland I think he's going to be a lot better than we've seen so far and it's just again it's just it's the first two three weeks of the season and, and we'll forget about this when he's hitting home runs down the road but um especially that home run we saw in Washington man he does not have to swing yeah. that hard to hit that thing a million yeah, miles so. <laughs> especially spring training a couple that he hit in, in spring training I know the the sound is kind of different out there, but oh, yeah, when, you, when you heard those home runs come off of his bat in spring training, I mean, it, it's some of the loudest hits I think I've ever heard as a baseball fan. Yeah, I want to see him play on ESPN, what they're, how they always blow up the audio on the field and what that's going to do uh, when he, right. he cranks one out there. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so what do you kind of see out of him defensively? We know that he's he's known more for his offense, but kind of the platoon between him and, and Josh Naylor um, seems like Bell, at least over the past couple of days, um, has gotten more opportunities at first base over Naylor. Now, I don't expect that to continue, um, but what do you see out of that? Because I don't think that Bell is necessarily a bad defensive first baseman, but it does seem like Naylor is the better defensive uh, first baseman. Well, I love Josh Bell's bat. Let me just start with that again, how much I love Josh Bell's bat. <laughs> we know where no. this is going. <laughs> no, I think he is a, a pretty not great first baseman. I, I think on the other side, like Josh Naylor is surprisingly good for you wouldn't just expect a guy. He, he's more athletic than you think looking at him and splitting and making all those plays. Like he had one diving play at first too, but I, I think Josh Bell should be at DH as much as humanly possible. Unless he's a guy who just like wants to get in the field more. Um which I think that was Fred Reyes who said he didn't like, no, he was the opposite. He only won the DH. There was somebody who said that they wanted to be in the field more and didn't like just DHing. But if, maybe if that's what Josh Bell likes, let him play at first base more. But otherwise I think it's, I think it's a pretty big skill gap between Josh Bell and Josh Naylor. Just like let Naylor handle first and let Josh Bell get comfortable in the DH role, have some fun on the bench when everybody's out there on the field, whatever he wants to do, go out there, hit some home runs. But I, I think in general, they'd be a lot better off just letting bell be a DH full time as, as much as humanly possible. I don't know why he's been out there as much. I, I would get it on the one aspect if they're trying to platoon, but there's been plenty of games where it's been like Naylor at DH and Josh bell at first, which to me does not make a ton of sense to do it that way. But yeah, I mean, as long as Josh Bell's in the lineup, I also don't really care where he plays as long as he's hitting, just put him out there somewhere. But between him and Naylor, I'd rather have Naylor at first is as much as possible. I think. Yeah, speaking to that platoon, I think uh, yesterday's doubleheader, I believe uh, Bell was out there at first base for both games, and I definitely expected it to kind of be the switch, you know, they give him the start at yeah. first and then obviously put him at DH, but no, I believe he was out there for both games at first. And um, just looking at the numbers now, Bell's fielding percentage uh, at first base is 986, while Josh Naylor is uh, perfect so far, so um, yeah. You know, touching on those numbers, but yeah, definitely <laughs> as long as his bat <laughs> is in the lineup and he, he seems like he's hitting better right now um, over Naylor, whose average is only 153 right now. Yeah, that's the roughest part is finding a way to to get Naylor going without also just sinking the rest of the lineup because he's looked so bad at times, even against, I mean, we know he's bad against lefties, but also against righties. He's had some struggles. There was that one at bat. I think it was a Washington game where it was honestly one of the worst at bats I think I've ever seen where it was just like every pitch was not even shoulder level. It was eye level and he was swinging straight up at him. So I think he is yeah. in some kind of rut right now and they, they got to get him out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Naylor is only hitting 205 against righties right now, um, yeah. which, you know, we expect to be a lot higher, but with Bell, his signing kind of be that power insurance as well as being a switch hitter, which brings added value to hit behind um, Ramirez. I'm glad that it seems like he's coming out of it because he's been hitting cleanup the past week or so. Um, so I'm glad that, um, you know, not to give up on him yet, but it definitely seems like they're not giving up on him and his position in the, uh, in the batting order. Uh, so I'm glad to see that. Yeah, for sure. Especially the lineup today, um, um, like with Quan, Quan mm -hmm. Jimenez, Ramirez, Bell. That that's a nice looking one through four right there. When everybody's hitting that way, that's going to be. I think that's the peak if they yeah. can keep doing that every day. Yeah, we definitely need to see Jimenez more uh, up in the order. And now I kind of play devil's advocate with that because the success that he had last year hitting sixth and seventh, it's almost like okay, well, why take him out of that spot? But I can also understand well if he's having success 
is hitting, um, you know, second or so. Uh, it is a treat just because I know how often the fans want to see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think it kind of gets overblown putting him where batting him second or whatever. It's always like, even if you look at the numbers, the difference between having a perfect lineup and just a jumbled mess is like a couple runs a season. So I never get too worked up about it. So I mean, if he is, if he says like I'm just more comfortable batting sixth or seventh, just leave him down there and just let him keep doing. Like you said, if he's hitting well there, I think there's, these are humans playing baseball still. And if that's what he want and he's a guy who just paid a hundred million dollars, I say, leave him there and let him hit there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we touched on it earlier with Brian Rocchio. Uh, he got called up and, you know, didn't make his debut, but he was on the bench. Um, a name that has been hovering around for a while. Um, what do you kind of see in the future of Rocchio? Um, I don't expect him to stick around, but do you think maybe he kind of comes back up later in the season, uh, maybe injury replacement or just a, a general promotion if he's batting well down in AAA? Yeah, I think maybe less than an hour before we started recording, he officially got optioned down or he's about to. <laughs> so it's already, they're done already. That, that whole experiment's done. But I think he's he's one of the top contenders for like the future at shortstop or second base where they swap him in as or whatever. But um, yeah, I've liked Rokio a lot coming up. Um, I, I think the only real knock against him last year was like in the Venezuelan league and, and the winner, he looked kind of basically just gas. I think like Fangraph said he had some troubles and he just made mistakes that he didn't normally do in the regular season, but he also just turned 22. So I think it's just kind of playing the most games he's ever played. And um, when he, when, when he's more used to it and ages up a little bit, I think he'll be fine. But he's he's a guy who's got potential for double-digit home runs at the shortstop position What's for the Guardians because he still makes a lot of contact. If you've got another guy who could hit a few home runs and play really good defense at shortstop, that's invaluable for everybody, but especially the Guardians who don't have a lot of home run hitters. I think Rokio is going to be the guy that everybody kind of – the same kind of hope that they had for Arias is actually what Rokio can be because <laughs> I know everybody like was thinking that – Arias had a lot of power, and I think Rokio has a surprising amount. Even though he didn't have the minor league home runs that Arias has, like Rokio's swing is just so short and compact, and he can do a lot with that and get, a, I think, a surprising amount of power, like 10, 15 home runs, maybe a little more. Even if he's not a superstar, I think he can he can hit more home runs than, than we would have thought. But, yeah, I'm really excited about him. Both this call-up, I think, was fine. It's just kind of – it was a weird roster thing just because they have so many middle infielders, but also no veteran fillers in the 40-man roster, which is – kind of a bonus but in this case he just had to come up for a game in case freeman and rosario couldn't go which they couldn't but they also just used um gabriel arias as, as a shortstop which worked out but I, it was just kind of a quirk i would imagine they probably didn't want to bring him up like this for his first taste of the majors just sitting in a dugout for a day and then going back to AAA. but maybe it's not the worst thing in the world just to kind of ease a guy in as opposed to playing in columbus and, and tearing the ball up there which he is absolutely crushing it in columbus right now so i don't imagine he has a ton left to prove down there besides just prove he can keep doing it. But in general, I'm, I'm really excited about Brian Rocchio uh, either later this year as, as like you said, an injury replacement, or I think more likely when, when uh, Ahmed Rosario comes back, he's back to being the shortstop every day. And then it's after this year, if they just let him go or if they decide to trade him at the deadline or whatever they do with him, I think at that point, that's, that's when you get to the Rocchio Freeman or Arias. One of them is just going to get every day at bats until they figure it out, which, which I would assume was their plan. Yeah. Now, do you see him kind of taking the reins over from uh, Rosario at short? Um, And the reason why I ask is because, you know, again, fans are very vocal. And I'm also a Rosario apologist as well. I think he's actually been pretty (laughs) sneaky, sneaky good for the team over the past couple of years. 
But I will admit, I, I wrote an article um, not too long ago, a couple months ago, um, once Gavin Lux went down with injury for the Dodgers. Now, I wrote that they could give the Guardians a call about Ahmed Rosario. Uh, you know, he's going into his free agency and they could, you know, it could be a one year rental. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. It was hypothetical. Um, but Ahmed, we know, is kind of a slow starter. In last year in April and March, he hit 211. And then it went up to 259 in May and then 360 in June. Um, but a lot of fans are already tired of him both at the plate and defensively. So um, who do you think will be his replacement? And do you think that should be Rokio? Yeah, I think it'll be Rokio down the road, but but like you, I, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know if I'd go quite on that Rosario apologist. Maybe Ahmed Rosario sympathizer. I think I'd go that <laughs> yeah. far. I, I definitely am not one of the guys who are begging to run him out of town or ever because he had a couple slow games. Because like you said, he's he's always a slow starter and he's going to go off for a month and then probably round out like an average bat, but also um, his great base running, which last year everybody just kind of forgot he was the spark plug on the team, which. Mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of the reason they bat him second is, is everyone mm-hmm. sees that hustle he, and they kind of follow it. And Yeah. He led the league in triples last year, the American league in triples. Yeah. And then what did the rest of the guardians do? They, they ran triples and, and ran with their head down the whole time. And I, I think there's a lot of Ahmed Rosario that again, going to the human side, I think he's more than just an average bat and average defender. But, but at the same time, I think it's kind of the perfect scenario to just let him play out the season and not trade him. Um, I think it would have been, a clubhouse disaster to do it last year. Maybe they probably would have gotten over it if they kept winning. But um, I think if you just let him walk naturally when his contract is up, and it's going to be a win for everybody if he has a great year and then goes out and get paid $100 million because there's basically no other shortstops on the market. So I would imagine even he doesn't want to sign an extension if he has a good year. Um, he wants to test that and, and probably get a payday somewhere. So I think definitely Rokio is probably the next in line to get the everyday start there. I know some people also say like, Andreas Jimenez, but I feel at this point he's such a good second kind of baseman. Trench that second base, kind of like yeah. uh, Jose is at at third base. You know, he's a natural um, second baseman, but he's kind yeah. of stuck over. Now I don't want to say stuck, but he's made his home at third, and maybe that's kind of his future, just like um, Jimenez. Yeah, and and, Rosario, and Jimenez too. Like without the shift now, I, I've seen plenty of times where it just seems like he covers basically all the way to first base and all the way to third base. <laughs> I think he's almost better off served to play at second base and and use his agility to get more balls on both sides of the plate than just being at shortstop. Cause he's just so good at, at knowing when to run down balls. And I've seen him get like foul balls and he run right past Josh Naylor and get a ball. So I think at this point he's probably not stuck like, like with Jose Ramirez, which it's the same kind of thing. He's just entrenched there. Like you said, is at second mm-hmm. base and, and I'm fine with that. Either Rokio, I think will be fine at shortstop. Or, or Freeman or even Arias if he if he starts hitting better. The, the good news is they have so many. Even if all those guys fail, Angel Martinez is coming in like two years. He yeah. probably has more power than all those guys. So they've got a lot of chances to figure it out. I think they'll probably just string together guys until one of them just makes it impossible to move past them, which is not the worst problem to have. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's better to have too many options than no options at all, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to touch on uh, Oscar Gonzalez and get your opinion on what seems to be a lack of playing time. I don't necessarily think that he's in the doghouse, um, but I, I am surprised at how little he's been playing so far and the starts that he's getting. And maybe it could be his bet because he's only hitting 156. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Because um, shameless plug again about <laughs> about my writing uh, wrote a couple of weeks ago about Oscar Gonzalez and why I think he'd be the team's um, wild card if they want to succeed. 
And it seems like they're doing okay, even with him not doing very well. But at the same time, he's not really playing. So uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think if you remember, uh, like the first week of the season, we were saying the same thing, but the opposite. That Will Brennan was not getting enough playtime because Oscar Gonzalez. I think they're just strictly platooned, and we faced a lot of lefties in the first week. Um, which you could make an argument whether that's good or bad, because like last year, Gonzalez had reverse splits. But in general, I think he's a guy who just relies on so much bat pip luck because he's not going to make he's not as fast as like miles straw and he makes his own hits with a bunch of infield hits he's going to make contact when he does it's going to be hard but he's also going to swing and miss a lot he's going to chase everything he's not going to walk so i think he's you kind of need guys like him you can't have you can't build the whole boat out of will brennan's guys who hit light but also hit a lot you need these guys who are going to be streaky and hope they turn it on in the playoffs uh, which we saw last year gonzalez if he doesn't have those two hits maybe the guardians don't even yeah, I mean, either they lose at the Rays or they lose to the Yankees earlier. So, yeah, I think you need a guy like him. They they're gonna have him figure it out. I think they're just strictly platoon is really the thing. Although I guess Brennan, I think he started against the lefty one of the last two series, but he's. But the other thing again there is Brennan is also just kind of playing himself into a spot to play every day. It's it's kind of like the middle infielders again. There's just so many, and one of them is gonna play well enough to make it impossible to take him out. And we saw Brandon make a couple of great plays in the field today, which I don't know if Gonzalez makes it to either of those balls. He's got a cannon for an arm, but maybe not the fastest guy in the field. So I don't know. I, I like Oscar Gonzalez a lot. I think he's one of just purely the most fun guys. Cause obviously is the, the SpongeBob walk-up music. I think he was an underrated, like heart and soul part of the team last year. Like Ahmed Rosario was, um, yeah, I think they're just, they're really hard platoon. And I think in the end, if they stick to that platoon, even when Will, ben, Will Brennan keeps hitting really well, I think Gonzalez will get in the form and be crushing lefties. And then they, they need somebody to crush lefties because this, this offense looks rough against left-handed hitters. So in general, it's going to help them just to have Oscar Gonzalez hitting and also have another guy who can hit left-handed batters so, or left-handed, left-handed pitchers. So I don't think they're going to give up on him anytime soon. I also don't think there's any relievers begging to come up and take his place. So I think he's kind of safe there. They're just going to kind of, keep sticking to the platoon it'll, it'll seem we'll go through these streaks where they're facing lefties and it seems like well brennan's never out there and then we'll go through facing righties and feel like oscar's never out there but i, I think they'll both get plenty of playing time at the end of the year and and hopefully again you got this gonzalez guy who goes on a hot streak in october and hits a bunch of home runs and it'll be worth it gotcha yeah so it sounds like you're not putting much weight on his lack of playing time and just kind of no. strictly schedule based right now depending on who they're playing yeah unless we start seeing brennan I mean, strictly start against a bunch of lefties. I'm not really too concerned about how much Gonzalez is playing. And even now, like it's early in the season. So again, it's just so hard to, to get too worked up about whether playing time or, or how they're working in the playing time. So I think we've even seen Josh Naylor who struggled in, um, like you said, I haven't played in the field as much as you probably would. It's just, everything is weird. So early in the season is the real thing until things start getting settled down. We're going to, we're going to see platoons and we're going to see guys playing, maybe a little more or less than we think they should, but it'll kind of even out once the, the season gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, moving in, into our last topic, um, you know, the guardians took two out of three against Washington before losing two out of three against uh, Detroit. Uh, what do you see out of this Miami series and what is your expectations for this, um, this pitching staff, you know, rotation and bullpen. That's kind of um, not great. Shall we put it lightly so far in the season? In general, not to to curse myself for what's coming up. I'm really excited about basically every one of these pitching matchups. They all seem, I mean, game one, Braxton Garrett, Zach Plezak is just kind of two unique, weird pitchers, I think. Game two, I mean, Sandy 
Alcantara and Shane Bieber is just Shane Bieber is maybe not, not the wicked one. ten strikeout starter anymore, but he's still the ace. And obviously Alcantara, the former Cy Young, still an ace. But that one's going to be super fun to watch. Um, and, he, and Sunday, like Peyton Battenfield, just to see if he can do it again. Which against a Marlins lineup that isn't great, it's but they're also not as bad as I think everybody kind of pegs them to be. Like Lewis Urias, who they got in the offseason, makes them a lot better just on his own because he barely ever strikes out or even gets out. So seeing Batten field like battle against a lineup like that is going to be fun. Um, also, the Marlins guy, Jesus Lazardo, is also fun. So this is, I think, so far the series I'm looking forward to the most. The Marlins are always just kind of a weird team that always is, is has these weird, fun parts about them. Like Jazz Chisholm is always, Jazz, Jazz Chisholm is always fun. Um, obviously, Urias, who I... Hated watching on the Twins, but I'm glad he's in the Marlins Absolutely. now. And this will be the only time we have to see him. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for that. But I'll always have faith in Shane Bieber doing Shane Bieber things in game two. So I don't imagine that's going to be a terrible game by any stretch. Um, yeah, And just in general, it's just a really interesting series. And in the bullpen, I think this might be the one where maybe things start to calm down, hopefully. Like like I said, if they go through, if we have three games where all the relievers look good, we will completely forget about this first week and we'll probably be overreacting the other direction, saying they're back to being the best relieving core ever and they will never blow another game and then <laughs> the cycle will continue forever. But um, yeah, I think it'll be more of a test than we probably think just because they're the Marlins, but, but not a, a, a terrible team to face by any means. Right. Yeah. Touching on your point about Shane Bieber, I feel like he's the only one that you can kind of rely on right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, with the news of the transactions that we made over the past day or two, um, we don't have a starter right now for Monday's game against Colorado. And, uh, you know, Gaddis was sent down, but Pilkington was called up. So do you think maybe he makes a start? And if not, who do you see kind of taking that place um, for a needed start against Colorado on Monday? I mean, not saying, but also Tanner Bybee is lined up to. You know, oh, we know Monday. that already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tanner Bybee, that, that timing we worked out that. really nicely, didn't it? <laughs> what a quinky dink. Uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe Pilking, they could just bring Hunter Gaddis back up. Maybe that was just kind of to clear a spot for what they needed. But obviously, I mean, I want Tanner Bybee. I think he struggled today for Columbus, but also I don't care. He looks so good <laughs> every other outing. Um, I would love for him to come up and start against the Rockies. Um, that That seems like just a pillowy way to start the major, your major league career is to come up and mow that lineup down. Uh, yeah, I think either that or, or, or Gaddis in general, I'm not, I've tried so hard to be a hundred gas topologist. Um, he's got two really good pitches. I think in his, his curveball and change up. He just can't locate the damn things to save his life. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I think it'd be one of those three, either Pilkington, Gaddis, um, by be basically in that order of, of likeliness, which even Pilkington, he's not a guy who, He's basically Battenfield again. Is is just kind of guy who has a bunch of pitches. None of them are super dominant, but he can he can make him work. And maybe he'll be better off this year than he was last year. Which which even last year wasn't terrible, but just maybe he'll be a little better against the Rockies. I think whoever it is, they've got a really easy schedule <laughs> to face the Rockies in their debut, which should help them. We hope, right? Yeah. It seems we we struggled against the past two teams that we faced. So oh, you know, yeah, I shouldn't say that if they yeah, <laughs> can't stop the Tigers soon. and Nationals. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all we have for today. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for coming on. And uh, if you wanted to kind of plug your, your social media and Twitter or where the people could find you and, you know, where you do your podcasting. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Matt RLY. Mostly I baseball stuff is on the, I do the cover in the corner Twitter, I cover the corner and our podcast, Disgusting Baseball, which we do every uh, record every Monday and post every Tuesday. That's, that's a fun one, me and Matt Rolfing. So if you want more 
um, Guardians things. I think we were talking before we recorded. Everybody can listen to every podcasting. There's no real <laughs> everybody just collaborates, and it's <laughs> there, fun, especially in Cleveland everybody. podcasting space. Yeah, there's room for everybody here, which is it's always fun. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Matt, for joining us. Uh, we look forward. Hopefully, we can have you on again or on uh, other podcasts with me and Tom at Rocking at the Jake. And you know, we love to love to talk to you more. Like we said, there's there's a lot of room to listen to all these podcasts. And when we get together, it's always good talk talking about the Guardians. So, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, no problem. All right, guys. Uh, it's been another episode of Believe in Guardians, and we'll catch you next week.